Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Professional Sports Talk Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jack Murphy. If you're listening to this on Spotify, it's just another episode for you. But for the special some of you who are on my YouTube channel, welcome. This is my first upload. I don't know how long I'm going to be doing this. I don't know how often I'm going to be uploading. Uh, Just seeing how this goes, we're going to upload this, kind of test the waters of it all. I'm hoping to eventually get better editing so you guys don't just have to look at me for 10, 30, 50 minutes, however long each episode is. On this episode, I'm only going to be uploading the Super Bowl preview part to YouTube because, again, I don't think you guys want to just look at me for that long. I don't think that'd be entertaining in the slightest. I'm hoping that I can find ways to get graphics in the background, other things in the background, um, you know, just so it's more pleasing visually. Um, I'm not sure if I have to get a green screen for all that. We're still figuring out the ins and outs of all of that. But I hope this goes well. I hope you guys enjoy this video. If you do, please sure be sure to leave a like, share with your friends, and subscribe to this YouTube channel for further, you know, further videos, further goodness, further NFL latest and greatness. As I like to say, NBA season is coming very soon to this channel. So I'm very excited to start covering that as this NFL season is going to be over after this week. Also getting into all the you know, the stuff with the NFL offseason is going to be very exciting. Uh, this episode, there's a lot been going on since the last time we talked, so there's going to be a lot to talk about. Like I said, only the Super Bowl preview is going to be up on YouTube for you guys. The rest is just going to be in the normal episode. So if you're on Spotify right now and, you know, you're listening to this YouTube shit, just ignore me. If you want to go check it out, it's just under my name, Jack Murphy, right now. You can't really miss it. It's got a banner that says professional sports talk. I'll probably link it in the description of this podcast. And if you're listening on YouTube already, then hey, you're already here. Thanks for coming. And let's get right into some of the news from this week. So obviously, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl. Let's get that over with first. Other than that, though, uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit about Tom Brady's official retirement because it is somewhat official if you want to call it that um I'll, but i'll get into i'll get into all that i'm going to go over kyler murray and what's going on with him and the arizona cardinals on his social media and then i'm going to quickly talk about brian flores his lawsuit and finish up this episode by just some of my quick impressions on some of these coaching hires a lot of them i don't really have too strong an opinion about because i just don't really know what to expect yet and i kind of just want to see it all unfold some of them I have a little more stronger opinions than others, so we'll cover those. But again, for now, let's just talk about the Super Bowl. Let's talk about the biggest game of them all. And let's just acknowledge how awesome this game is going to be. There are some awesome storylines going in both sides and in both directions. So let's start with the Rams here. The Rams, um, you've got to give Stafford in his 12th year, who has been 0-3 in the playoffs. you got to give him a lot of attention in this one. Uh, he is obviously... His first playoff win was that wildcard weekend against the Cardinals. He's kept it rolling. Now he's playing for his first ever Super Bowl. And he's got it. We've, I've got to say, there's something about um, going from never winning a playoff game to going to a Super Bowl, especially in the first year with your new team. That's got to be a very exclusive list. The only other people that I could find that did that were obviously Tom Brady, who we just saw that last year. And I think that's going to impact a lot of people's opinions on uh, if they should have control over, you know, where they want to go for their future, this could impact guys. Like, let's say Matthew Stafford wins this game. That's going to be two years in a row that quarterbacks on brand new teams are winning the Super Bowl. I think that's really going to send a message to guys like, obviously, Aaron Rodgers already wants out. That's going to send guys to, that's going to send a message to guys like Russell Wilson, excuse me. And now maybe Kyler Murray, we're going to see how that all plays out. But my point is the only other guys that have really done that after going from, you know, 
a brand new team and winning the Super Bowl that year. Obviously, we saw Brady do it. We, I know Trent Dilfer did that, uh, weirdly enough, with the Ravens. I think that was in 2001 in help of – was that 2001, 2002? I don't know. I was very, very young if I was even alive at that point. Um, I think I was. But Nick Foles did it as well. Obviously, those last two are a little more fluky. That was very, very good circumstances. And, you know, Big Dick Nick, the legend, was born. Um, not much else to say about that. So he'd be – my point is he'd be joining a very elite – category of this game he'd be sending a message to the rest of the league he'd be sending a message to a lot of these veteran guys to have control of your own destiny because he was loyal to the lions for so long he had the stomach to say you know what i went out of here and now it's paying off in the biggest way possible if he can manage to win this game um rams all in moves are another great storyline in this game i've been talking about this for a few weeks now um it seems like each and every single week this is the game that they made all these moves for this is the game that they've been preparing for and of course now this is the biggest test of them all can all those offseason moves um and midseason moves between obj and von miller pay off in the biggest stage um i guess we'll come to find out to see um and of course i need to stop saying um jesus sorry about that let me get a drink of water just settle myself for a second and of course there's also Sticking with Von Miller and OBJ, um, they could be gone after this game. They could never play another game in a Rams uniform after this game. So, of course, it's going to be very interesting to see what impact they have in this game. It's going to be very interesting to see how they can add to their legacy. And, of course, what's in store for them next. OBJ has never been in a position like this before. He's never played in a Super Bowl. Von Miller already has a Super Bowl MVP. He's not really arguably already a Hall of Famer. Uh, I don't really think that's arguable. I think he, if he retired after this game, he would be a Hall of Famer one day. OBJ still has a lot up in the air and is still a lot left to, left to prove after, you know, one of the best starts to a career we've ever seen from a wide receiver. So it's going to be very interesting to see where he goes from here. If he wins this ring, is there going to be starting conversations with him and the Hall of Fame? It's going to be very interesting to see, and I'm very, very excited for it. As far as the Bengals' storylines goes, Honestly, they're they're in a completely different feeling from the Rams. Um, this team, as far as their legacy goes, it's barely even started. They're, all these guys are very, very young. Uh, the Rams have a bunch of veterans who have never won at all and are very hungry to win it all between, you know, Jalen Ramsey, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford, obviously. Vaughn Miller's already won one, won one like I said. Uh, OBJ has never won one. But it feels, again, very different for the Bengals just because – Burrow, Chase, Higgins, even Mixon. Um, hopefully they extend Jesse Bates, who's, you know, one of my favorite young safeties in the league. If you've been listening to this episode, these podcasts for the last few weeks, you already know that. Um, they're just getting their legacy started. It feels like they're, they have very many more years of dominance ahead of them, whereas a lot of these Rams players, it's not necessarily the end of the road by any means, but in the case of a couple of them, it could be in the case of others, they could not be on this team shortly here. And in the case of others, they've already been in this league for quite some time and haven't had an opportunity this early on in their career to do something like the Bengals are doing right now. Um, so that's where I really see them from a lot of different points. I'm not saying, um, you know, the Rams can't be back here. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that once they lose this one, it's all over for the Rams. It's just... They are losing some key contributors soon. They are getting older. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, but so how about a start to a career for Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow to be able to, 
you know, your second year out of college in the case of Joe Burrow, your first in the year of, uh, in the case of, or I guess second, because he held it. What do you get my point? He's a rookie. Joe Burrow's in his second year. It's amazing that they even have an opportunity to be here. I really, really am excited to see them and how they step up to that moment. Because as of now, we've seen absolutely no nerves get to him. I don't expect it to in this game either, but it does add a certain element that they're playing. They're, they're at home technically, um, but they're not. <laughs> they're the home team, but they're absolutely not at home. The Rams have the home field advantage in this one 100%. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out in the biggest game of the year. As far as Burrow goes, um, if he does win this one, he's just going to be the fifth quarterback in NFL history to win it all in their second year. That's along with guys like Kurt Warner, Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, and Russell Wilson. That is you know, very, very good company to be in arguably every single one of those i don't even think arguably i think every single one of those guys is going to be in the hall of fame if they aren't already i believe kurt warner already is um so again just very good company to be in and i really hope he can pull it off again talking from the heart here not my brain i i hope they do it because i think it would just be awesome i feel like nearly everyone unless you're from the greater los angeles area wants the cincinnati Bengals. so let's talk about the odds really quickly of this game the according Excuse me. At the time of recording this, the money line is at minus 200 for the Rams, plus 170 for Cincy, with the point spread being at four and a half points in favor of the Rams, so no longer four. I believe it opened at three and a half, so obviously very much shifting towards the Rams in this one, over under of 48 and a half. A lot of the early reports that were saying that the money was going towards Cincy's direction, and I mean, I can't be surprised at all. I think a lot of that just has to do with the Joe Burrow effect, the charisma, the excitement of this young team. Um, you know, the memes, the Joe Burr, Joe Cool, Joe Shiesty, Joe all that shit. I really think that's adding into the hype of this Bengals team. And I think that's why a lot of players or players, betters are taking them earlier in the process because that's really them voting with their heart, if you know what I mean. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, maybe a little bit. But I mean, I, I mean, it'd be awesome. I, I think people would rather go down with their money on Joe Burrow than Matthew Stafford because at the end of the day, it's more likable. And if Matthew Stafford has one of those Matthew Stafford, what the hell happened? He threw three picks in the fourth quarter and ends up losing this game. I think people would have a lot harder time dealing with that than just a collapse of the Bengals as far as maybe like they just can't get over the pass rush of the Rams and even if it ends up in a total blowout, I think a lot more people will end up feeling better about themselves if they went down with Joe Burrow than Matthew Stafford. At least I would for sure. Um, so again, let's get to that storyline. Uh, one of the biggest storylines in this game, and everyone has been talking about it all week, as they should, because it's one of the biggest mismatches in Super Bowl history, as of recently at least, is this Rams pass rush versus this Bengals pass protection it's going to be messy. So let's talk about, let's just back up for a second. Obviously that's a huge storyline. Obviously it's a huge mishmash on paper. So sticking with odds for a second, let's talk about the MVP odds. Aaron Donald is at plus 1200 right now for the MVP. And I really like those odds. I'm just going to say it that way. Um, I could easily see him finishing this game with two, two and a half plus sacks, two or more fumbles. If that type of impact happens, if he has that type of Von Miller performance that we saw, uh, six years ago, actually, against the Carolina Panthers, I think he could very, very, very easily win the MVP for the Super Bowl. And even if the Bengals throw all their tools 
at stopping Aaron Donald. There's still Von Miller there. There's still Fred Gaines. There's still Leonard Floyd coming from the other edge. Um, so it doesn't take a genius to say that pass rush is going to have a huge impact in this game. And it's going to be very, very interesting to see because honestly, every single game that the Bengals have played in this playoff run, their pass protection has not been able to hold up at all. And particularly in that Titans game when Joe Burrow was sacked nine times for a playoff record and still winning the game. Could we see something similar here? Could we see Joe Burrow just take an immense amount of hits, but Matthew Stafford just throws the game away? Yeah, we, we, we could. We've seen him do stuff like that before. I'll, I'll save my thoughts on that one, but I just I don't really see it playing out that way. Um, again, as much as I hope it does. As far as the Bengals' key to winning is, I mean, I, already, I just said this. It, it all depends on how Matthew Stafford plays. Ideally, I think the Rams want to want to establish the run early, extend their drives, keep Joe Burrow on the sidelines, don't let him get in rhythm with his receivers. And I'm not, as a Rams, if I was a Rams offensive coordinator, uh, Kevin O'Connell, I believe it is, who's now a head coach with the Minnesota Vikings after this year. Um, I'll get to that in a little bit. Like I said, I was going to late in this episode. I think you just want to have Matthew Stafford have the easiest game possible. You don't want to put too much on his shoulders. You almost want him to manage the game. And in the same aspect, that's going to help your team altogether. You're a more talented team than the Bengals. That's not a hot take to say. They just are. They need to win as a team. I know that sounds really stupid because it's a team game and it takes everyone to win a football game. Um, but I don't think... I think they don't need... What's the... What the fuck? How am I trying to phrase this? I think they need to be careful that they're not too reliant on one position group winning this game for them. I think that they can't get comfortable. They can't get um, content. They need every single unit to be firing on all cylinders. And obviously, again, you can say that for any single team of any Super Bowl. But we've seen Super Bowls where defenses just take over the game. And we, I mean, we could see that here. But again, the Rams are the more talented football team. They need to use that talent. And they need to be able to spread the ball out, spread the love. Uh, let all parts of their team shine because depth-wise, they're a more talented team than the Cincinnati Bengals. I hope that makes any sense at all. I'm reading this from my notes, and I feel like it's making less sense the more I say it out loud. And the more I was reading it before the show, it made more sense to me for some reason. But my point is they can't be one-dimensional in any way. They need to establish a run early, not to put too much on Matthew Stafford's hands, and go from there. As far as the Bengals go... Their key to winning this game, in my opinion, is, is I think we're going to see some similar looks to what we saw against the Chiefs in that game. I think we're going to see three rushing the passer and a ton dropping back to pass um, and cover the pass. Because even though the Rams do have success running, with that zone run game they run, they really want a ton of misdirection. They want your guys running into each other. They want, you know, big clumps that, you know, turn into bodies piling up and running backs and receivers getting by them on the edges of those lines. So I really think that the Cincinnati Bengals need to play the edges, the perimeters of the field very well and force things in the middle of the field, force power runs up the middle. Don't let them get into that zone scheme. Don't let the outside perimeter weapons in Cooper Cup, OBJ, Van Jefferson take over this game. And think about how we've seen mistake. Whoa. Think about how we've seen Matthew Stafford make a lot of mistakes in the past. It's been through... Of course, throwing down the field, but it's been through throwing down the middle of the field and protect, 
particularly. We've seen uh, him have some arid throws against the Ravens and throwing down the middle of the field. We've seen him have some arid throws even just last or two weeks ago, I guess now, against the San Francisco 49ers and Jaquazki, trying to say his name once again, and it's not going well. Uh, Jaquazki Tart had that dropped interception right in the middle of the field. That was just an absolute terrible ball. So I think they need a similar scheme to that. Um, and I think if the Bengals can just keep their defense spread out, they keep two high, even three high at times, I think that they the run sure might have a little more success that way, but I think it's going to be an easier time stopping down their offense as a whole if you can spread those guys out, get more space between your defenders, and let their eyes do the work. Let the play play out in front of them and then fly to the ball, however that might be. Um, so with all this being said, um, if the Bengals do take this approach, can the Rams change their style of running A? If they don't, can Matthew Stafford, you know, pull a clutch? Can Matthew Stafford put the team on his back? And again, I really don't think he'll need to because I think this is just a more talented football team. And I think in a lot of ways, the Bengals don't match up well with the Rams, of course, starting with their offensive line, the Rams defensive line. Um, so let me just cut to the chase here. I want the Bengals to win, if you can't tell already. I, I think I'm going to bet with my heart and take their money line. Um, that's not really what I'd recommend doing. But if you want a better time on Super Bowl weekend, um, or not even like a better time necessarily, if you just want to have a, uh, what's the word? If you want like a team to root for and you don't really, you just want a good game, I would take Bengals money line because why not? Take an underdog, fun story, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, they're likable. Um, but truthfully, I should want the Rams to win. I'm from, you know, Southern California. Uh, Rams haven't been here too long, so that's kind of why I don't consider it. If you guys know me, you know I'm a Bears fan, so I don't really give a shit about all that. Um, but as underdogs in the hype around Burrow and Chase, I just want to see that happen. Uh, using my brain, I should take the Rams and the spread. They're a veteran team. They have a experienced, proven head coach, Zach Taylor really hasn't done much in this league at all before this year. Um, a lot of hungry guys who still have a lot to prove in their career and with a lot on the line. Uh, like I said, Aaron Donald, the rest of that D-line against this Bengals O-line is just an insane mismatch. Um, so I guess if I had to pick a score, I guess I'd say the Rams will probably win 26 to 23. If I had to take a bet, I'm going to take the Bengals money line, which I'm probably going to be wrong about, and I'm completely fine with it. I just would rather, again, like I said earlier, I'd rather go down with Burrow than go down with Stafford and watch Stafford, you know, be up by 10 in the fourth quarter, throw a couple picks, and have them choke up, which, by the way, is not out of the equation. We've seen that happen from the Rams before. We've, excuse me, we've now seen the Chiefs make a comeback win against the Chiefs, which is considered one of the team's hardest to come back from in the NFL when you're down to them. Um, so again, if the if the Rams are up by 10, all I'm saying is don't walk away from your TV. Just watch this game to the very end because anything can happen in this one. Both of these teams can create magic and I'm extremely here for it. That's going to be it for the YouTube video for all you guys watching on YouTube. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, please let me know by leaving a comment. Share this with your friends. Like the video would mean a, a whole lot. And please subscribe for further episodes. I'm going to end this recording here. All you guys who are listening to my podcast on Spotify, I'm going to keep going with the rest of the storylines going on, starting with Brady's retirement. All you YouTube guys, thank you so much for watching. 
Peace out. Have a great rest of your day. And you know the usual. All right. So that's going to do it for the YouTube people. We're going to jump into how I feel about Tom Brady's retirement. Um, it still doesn't feel real. And maybe it isn't. I mean, that's really the first impression I have about it. Um, I was shocked, obviously, as most everyone was in the world when Brady said he was announcing his retirement, when it was official. Um, obviously, there was that report a couple days before he came out and said that he was going to retire himself. And everyone was clowning Adam Schefter for it. And it was everyone totally bought into it. And then everyone was kind of like, wait, is this true? Could this be real? And then Brady said, I haven't made any decisions yet. So then everyone, you know, snapped back at Adam and was like, where this you're full of shit. Where are you getting this from? Blah, 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 blah. Point is Tom Brady has since come out and said that he is retiring. He is hanging up the cleats. Um, and on his let's go podcast, this is where stuff gets really interesting because he said, never say never. He didn't really say the door was fully closed. He didn't really say that. He said that he wasn't planning on it, but it could happen. Something along those lines. And to me personally, I mean, I don't fucking know the guy. Obviously, I've never met Tom Brady. I've never talked to Tom Brady. I don't know what's going through his head. I don't know what his wife's telling him. I don't know what his kids are telling him. And that could have an extreme impact on his decision for playing in the future of the NFL. And I think it should. I, I mean, those people are obviously extremely important to him. It's impacted their lives as much as it has his for, you know, the past 22 years in the case of his wife or I don't know how long they've been, however long they've been married. You get my point. But... From a competitive standpoint, this retirement just completely baffles and shocks me. He was still one of, if not the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He said that he wanted to keep playing until he couldn't say that he was better than these guys any longer. Uh, I forget exactly what the interview was. I believe it was on the HBO exclusive um, of LeBron James show that I cannot remember the name of right now. But I believe he was saying on that show that... Um, he was going to stop once he could watch a game and, you know, something along the lines that if he was watching on his couch and he said, wow, I'm better than these guys, I can still be out there doing it, he would still be playing. Well, he is better than all these guys, at least most of these guys, and he's not out there playing anymore. So my point is the Bucks are, you know, dealing with a little bit of cap if issues. They've got a lot of guys walking away in free agency. I think that had a lot to do with his decision. And if he ends up back in the future, I would not be surprised at all. Uh, he still has a ton of arm talent. He obviously has all the IQ in the world. That's not just going away. He is the ultimate leader, the ultimate competitor. And being the ultimate competitor, it's just so surprising to me that he's just hanging up the cleats like this, especially on this note. Um, you would have much rather see it on, you know, a high, a Super Bowl birth or a Super Bowl victory, but you got to respect it. Um, I really don't know what to think. I'd like to think he'd be back uh, just from a fan's point of view. I think it'd be a lot more entertaining and I really want to see it happen. I'm going to open up my Yerba Mate right here. So you might get, hear a little. Wow, that was a loud one. Um, sorry about that. Jesus, that's so fucking good. I love Yerba Mate's. If you ever want, like, to just, I don't know, if you're listening to this and, like, you think I'm going through a bad day or, like, I don't know, it's, like, my birthday or fucking 
some tragedy happened in the family, knock on wood, I hope that never happens. Just like drop off a year and I'll be straight. That's all I need. Oh, and you got to slurp the first two sips because it just makes it taste better. Anyways, um, I would be extremely surprised if, wait, what? That's not where I was trying to go with that. I would not be extremely surprised, excuse me, if he ends up back. I would also not be surprised if he never comes back to the NFL again, as sad as it may be. And it almost feels like getting blue balled. Like I just, I was not seeing this coming at all. Um, I really want that farewell tour more like because it just would have been awesome and it would have been nostalgic. And then we would have known that, you know, oh yeah, this is Brady's last year and he's also playing in New England as a guest. Come on, that would have been fucking awesome. You know, like how warm of a welcome they gave Brady. Obviously all those bucket, or excuse me, all those Patriots fans likely knew that that was his last time he was ever going to be in that stadium because, you know, when are you going to play the Patriots again? But still, it would have been a nice little like confirmation to know for a fact that that would have been the last one. They would have gone crazier than they already did. Um, regardless, I don't really know what to make of this. I'll keep covering it if we hear more news about it. But for now, he's retired. For now, he's had the greatest career a football player has ever had. Probably always will be that way. And congratulations on an amazing career, Tom. You are truly inspirational. You've been an inspiration to me to countless others around the country and I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss you on Sundays. It's going to be a really different league without you, but you know what? The league carries on. It's in good hands with all these other young quarterbacks. And I'm very excited to see what the future has for TB 12 and the rest of the league. There has been some talks about him potentially buying an NFL franchise. I'm going to worry about that when it gets here. I have a feeling that's very far off. So I'm not really going to talk about that. Now, let's talk about the Kyler Murray deal and what's going on with him on social media. He deleted all of his posts involving anything Cardinals related. He also unfollowed the Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury, and I think, yeah, I think that's it on Instagram. Uh, he did keep one picture of him up with Mike Evans, which has a lot of people speculating, could he want to go to the Buccaneers? Um I really don't know what to make of this situation. I know there's the whole baseball aspect of it, and he could go play baseball. The Oakland A's still own his rights in that regard. But I, 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 this is just so, again, I don't know Kyler Murray as a person. I've seen some of his interviews. I can kind of get an idea of what he's like. I know he's this very reserved, quiet, almost shy person. So something like this coming from him, obviously it's a message, no, no shit. Everyone sees this happening. The entire Cardinals organization sees this happening. I'm sure some of the players on the Cardinals have reached out to him, asking him what's going on. I have a feeling, and this is just an overwhelming opinion from I've heard from a lot of people I trust, that it has to do with his contract and the fact that he hasn't gotten that big contract extension yet. Um, just like the Josh Allen got, just like the Patrick Mahomes got, just like Lamar Jackson is hoping to get, which again, is very surprising. Lamar Jackson hasn't gotten an, a contract extension. That's neither here nor there. I think that has mostly what it is to do with it. I don't think he legitimately wants out of Arizona. I don't think it has something to do with a falling out within the organization. But again, I don't know the ins and outs. It totally could be. I just think it has to do more with the contract. I think he wants that guaranteed money. I think especially after that wild card loss, he wants that guaranteed money because he was under duress quite a bit in that game. 
Uh, he knows that he was injured for part of this last year. I think he just wants the security and the know that he's going to have some money in the bank, even if something happens to him. And I think that's what all this is about. But again, I'll keep you guys updated. I'll keep you posted on my opinions as I hear more and more about this. But that's really all the thoughts I have about it right now, because I just really don't know what to make of it. And let's move on to the next topic. We've got Brian Flores and his lawsuit. Brian Flores is suing the NFL on accounts of not hiring, basically discrimination, discrimination. Let me not uh, beat around the bush. He is, he is suing the NFL for discrimination and including a few teams. I know one of which was the Giants, uh, the Dolphins, and I think it was the Broncos was the last one. Uh, he's come out with a bunch of allegations in the last few weeks. I really recommend you guys to go look up and watch some of his interviews because he made a whole media tour on Thursday. I believe it was, I believe it was last Thursday. He was on every single talk show. I felt like talking about how John Elway and oh, I forget who else. Um, someone else high up in the Broncos organization came to a meeting very late and was visibly drinking from the night before. Um, he talked about how the giants, hired Dayball before even giving him an interview and this was confirmed through text by Bill Belichick. Um, he was accusing the Dolphins of tanking and paying him $100,000 in incentives for each loss he got. Um, I Again, it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out in court. Um, I'm not here to take any sides. I don't know what's true and what's not as is, you know, no one does. That's why these things go to court. Um, but if any of the things Brian Flores are saying are true about, oh, clearly, I, I mean, I, I think it's fairly obvious that that Giants one is true, that the Giants really did hire Brian Dayball before even bringing in Brian Flores and made Dayball their guy before giving Flores a proper shot. For those guys, for those, for that Giants, for, pe, 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 for the Giants organization, Jesus, that's a shame. That, that is that is shameful. That is disrespectful. That is absolutely not okay. And I'm not saying that it is in the slightest. It's just, it is awful that, 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 that these types of things are happening in today's age. Um, obviously the Rooney rule was a way to promote minorities being hired in coaching positions. I believe that was instilled in 2003, if I'm not mistaken. And since then, there has been virtually no increase in minority hires. Um, Mike Tomlin and Lovey Smith, I guess now, are the two black coaches in the NFL with Lovey Smith just getting the Texans job a couple days ago. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's you hate to see stuff like this. This is just such bad attention for the NFL. The NFL is always going to find ways for their new shiny bright object to distract their audiences from stuff like this. Um, and it's going to be really, really hard to push something like this under the rug. Truthfully, I hope they don't because I think there are changes that are coming to the NFL. I think Brian Flores is, I mean, he's showing a lot of courage. He's showing a lot of bravery just by doing all this because this is obviously jeopardizing his job and his, you know, status going forward in the NFL. I think a lot of coaches and organizations are going to see him differently after this. So good for him for, you know, standing up for what he believes is right. Um, he insists that he's only telling truth. And if he is, this is going to be 
whew, this is going to be a big, big story for a long time. And this case could be drawn out for a very, very long time. It's going to be very interesting to see how they deal with evidence of some of these accusations, because, you know, I'm assuming Stephen Ross didn't write in text, you know, I'll give you $100,000 for every loss. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out, uh, what goes on here, who gets in trouble for what, how they get punished, how Stephen Ross gets punished. If this is true, a lot of people are trying to get his ownership revoked of the Miami Dolphins. So very, very, very big implications here. Obviously, Brian Flores taking a stand for what he believes in. Good for you. I hope you're telling the truth on a lot of this stuff. I'm not saying he's not. I'm not doubting him. I'm just, I'm just, you know, just for, you know, for what's right, for the circumstances, for what, you know, people of minority want to see happen in the NFL, including Brian Flores. I hope he is telling the truth here because if he is and if the court proves that he is, there's going to be a lot of changes coming to the NFL and I think it's for the better. Let's finish off this episode, finish off this episode, excuse me, by talking about some of the coaching hires and I don't have too strong an opinion on too many of them. So let's just like quickly review them one at a time. Let's start with Lovey Smith. I was just talking about him. Uh, Texans defensive coordinator, now going to be the head coach for the Texans. Again, just don't really have too strong of an opinion on this one. I do like, though, in a way that um, they were interviewing Brian Flores, Josh McCown. Those were two of their real standout guys, and it really sounded like they were leaning the direction of Josh McCown. And then Flores in his whole, you know, lawsuit broke out. And it was about, you know, underqualified white males getting positions over, you know, qualified black males. And I think as a message to the league right now, um, I'm not saying they only hired Lovey Smith because he's a black guy. That's that's not at all what I'm trying to say. Uh, what I'm trying to say is I think this kind of forced their hand. Lovey Smith is, an, you know, a very accomplished head coach. And I think they could have gone in the direction of Josh McCown if it wasn't for this lawsuit. Um, I think in a lot of ways that would have been a mess. And I think it's like honestly disrespectful to Levy Smith and Brian Flores that Josh McCown is going to get the job over them because what experience, like, doesn't he coach high school for like a year or two? That's just, I don't know. He's been a backup. He's, it's not like he was a dominant player either. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk had an excellent point. If Drew Brees next or Sean Payton's gone. If Drew Brees turned around and was the head coach of the Saints right now, we'd be laughing. Same shit with Tom Brady. If Tom Brady, you know, retired the very next year, now he's a head coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, for the New England Patriots, whatever. We'd be laughing. We'd take it as maybe not Tom Brady, but you get my point. It these guys are not coaches. Josh McCown is not a coach. Sure, he's a leader of men. Sure, he's a quarterback. Sure, he's been in those experiences, but. Coaching and quarterbacking are two entirely different things. And it would have been such a mess from a front office standpoint if you have this whole lawsuit based on racism, based on discrimination of color and preference of white males that aren't qualified over someone of color who is extremely qualified. This would have been an A1 example of that lawsuit, if Josh McCown got this job over a guy, even like Lovey Smith, Lovey Smith has been there, done that. He's been in a head coach in this league, even if he hasn't had great success. I mean, he took the Bears to a Super Bowl one year, and then we got our ass whooped. But 
still, the qualifications are there on paper, on the resume. It is there. Josh McCown does not have nearly the same qualifications. And I think, again, that kind of forced the hand of the Texans to hire him. Let's move on to the next hiring. Um, Dennis Allen is going to be the new head coach for the New Orleans Saints. He was the defensive coordinator there for quite some time. Again, just not too much to think about this hire. I like it. It's fine. The Saints defense have been has been very, very good for a long time. It's clear they respect him. Going to be interested in how it plays out and how he fits in because it's clearly a very good fit. It's clear that they like him in that locker room. Um, we'll see how they deal with their cap space issues. We see what they what, how they deal with their quarterback going forward. And Dennis Allen has his hands full for the next few years, as I'm sure. Um, going to be interesting to see if he trades any of his star players there. Brian Dayball to the New York Jets. This is a hire that I, I do like. Um, I don't love it. I think Brian Dayball is getting a little too much hype throughout this whole process. He didn't run this crazy complex scheme over in Buffalo. And people are giving him some credit for developing Josh Allen. And I think people want to see similar in Daniel Jones. But Daniel Jones is no Josh Allen. Sure, they have some similar tools. Daniel Jones can be very mobile. He has a very good arm. Not a Josh Allen arm, but a good arm. Again, he can run around, extend some plays. Uh, but he's a lot more turnover prone. He doesn't quite have the decision-making Josh Allen has. And he's, again, just not as talented as Josh is. And Brian Dayball wasn't sending the most complex schemes out there for Josh Allen to execute. Most of it was just due to Josh's sheer talent. So... I just don't really see the crazy upside in this as a lot of other people do. I don't think I'm as high on this hire as some other people. And I just, I'm worried it's going to be another Giants head coach that he's two years, two years in and then out. And I hope that's not the case, but I think it will be. Moving on to Kevin McDonald. He was the Rams offensive coordinator. He's now going to go be the Vikings head coach. This scares me. This this, this, as a Bears fan, this does scare me a little bit. Um, I think he's a very good offensive coordinator. I like the experience he's had. I like that he's had McVay. Um, they've got a very, very similar system in Los Angeles as they do to Minnesota. Uh, as far as that zone scheme, running the ball, you know, that halfback stretch, play action, heavy play action, uh, an accurate passer that can find, you know, Two really, really good receivers. It, yeah, this is a good hire for the Vikings, in my opinion. And it's going to be very scary as a Bears fan. Doug Peterson going to the Jaguars. Yeah, this is fine. I don't, again, I'm just, I, I don't have too strong of an opinion on this one. Uh, Doug Peterson's a good coach. He should have had a head coaching job last year. Um, I wouldn't have been opposed to the Bears even hired him this year. So, again, just don't have too strong of opinions. Um Jacksonville is still going to be a few years off here. They're going to have a lot of solid, you know, young talent to build off of between Trevor Lawrence and then either Aiden Hutchinson or some, one of those guys to protect him. In my opinion, it'll be Hutchinson. But yeah, just not too strong of an opinion here. Josh McDaniel going to the Raiders as their head coach. This one annoys me. I love Josh McDaniel. It's hard not to like him. Uh, obviously, his two bits as a head coach weren't extremely successful. Uh, they weren't all they weren't all that bad. But Josh McDaniels himself is—he's a mastermind. He is a guru. 
he is going to fit in very well with Carr in this offense. So in that aspect, I think it's a good hire. But the reason why I don't like it so much is because you let Rich Passaccia walk away. Why would you do that? Rich Passaccia was the man. It was clear that this locker room loved him. He got over a crazy amount of adversity to, to drag this team into the playoffs. They were pretty close to the Bengals there, and the Bengals are not playing for a Super Bowl. I just didn't like this at all. And now he might go to the Packers. So thanks, Raiders. You fucked up, and you fucked over the Bears. And it's two for it's a two for one. So fuck you guys. I really, I again, I just, I mean, I can't hate it because Josh McDaniels is a great coach. He's a mastermind. He's going to get in, get along well with Carr and the rest of those guys. But you should have kept Pisachia. Come on now. Fuck. And now we got Nathaniel Hackett going to the Denver Broncos. Again, this is just, they're making Green Bay 2.0 down there. They really, really want to get Aaron Rodgers. It's very clear. And this is just a power move to do that. Either way, he's a good head coach. He's had good experience. Um, he's coached under LaFleur for a little bit. LaFleur's got a good system going on there. I think he can find some success in Denver regardless if Aaron comes. But again, this is a power move to get Aaron Rodgers. And if it doesn't work out and Aaron doesn't end up there, then it'll look a little more stupid. If he ends up there, then they're going to look like complete geniuses. And that's that. Now, let's talk about Matt Eberflus to my Chicago Bears. Again, I don't really I don't really have too much to, I should have like a very strong opinion about this one being a Bears fan, but I don't know. I kind of would have liked to see them go the offensive route to develop fields, but in the same aspect, I don't mind a defensive guy being there and you know, being a mentor towards Justin in order to break down defensive schemes and really get into the mind of fields and I think there's in a lot of ways that could help him out. Um, but again, I just don't really know too much to think here. I do like the Ryan Poles hire a lot as our GM. That is something that got me very excited. And I talked about that a couple episodes ago, I think maybe last episode. Um, but yeah, I just really don't have too strong of an opinion of Eberflus right now. He's going to have to just prove to me that he's worthy. And once I see it, I'll believe it. And yeah, just again, should have a much stronger opinion being a Bears fan, but I really don't. Um, I just... I think it's a fine hire. It's it's a B plus B hire. It's not an A plus. It's not a C minus. It's it's fine. It's it'll get the job done, and it's better than Nagy. So that's all I can you know. That's all I can say. That's all I can be happy about. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for the, today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. It's gonna be <laughs> a little bit longer than I thought it was gonna be, but either way, I hope you guys enjoyed the content. I've got a mock draft coming out soon. That's gonna be on YouTube. I don't know if I'm gonna put that in one of my episodes of the pod. So just keep an eye out for that. You'll know when it comes out. It'll be on my Instagram, most likely, at Professional Sports Talk. Make sure to follow over there. Make sure to go subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is just going to be under my name, Jack Murphy. Uh, again, banner Professional Sports Talk. I don't really think you're going to be able to miss it. I'm going to see if I can customize a URL so that way it can just be like YouTube.com slash Professional Sports Talk or whatever the hell it might be. That way it'll be easier for you guys to access all that kind of stuff. And I'm hoping to get uploaded on there more. Again, trying to figure out the whole editing aspect of it so you guys don't just have to stare at a screen of me talking to a camera for however long. Once I get that all figured out, you guys will also be aware of that. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Be sure to share this with your friends, family, dogs, neighbors, whatever and have a great rest of your day guys peace out